Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Push to Shout podcast. This is the 20th weekly episode. I am your host, Skippy Sigmatic. And I'm Brutalkum Powder. And uh, we're here to talk to you about stuff that's happened in the last week, such as, well, Hotline Miami 2. We'll get to that. And uh, eh, PAX, Tim Schafer, Nugget Solid 5, uh, EA. There's, there's some things to talk about. Uh, first, we're going to hand it over to Brutalkum Powder here. We're going to see how his week was. So uh, take it away. So yesterday, I streamed a game called Pregnancy, and it's basically yes, like a, uh, I guess like a visual novel kind of thing, except not even that involved. It's basically just kind of uh, these stock photos with kind of colored overlays on them. Like by stock and, photos, he means like Getty image photos. Like yeah. It looks like they came straight from one of those like, like royalty-free. generic woman in profile <laughs> um, with, you know, from like the nose down. Yes. And uh, the premise of the, uh, the, the game, if we want to call it that, is that you are a 14-year-old girl who lives in Hungary and um, you get raped by a a criminal just some criminal guy who has just a, a, just a bad guy a bad beard and he smells like vodka and he they have they show like the rape scene they depict it uh using words and scary looking text but it's it's like the the most cartoonish rape like scenario you could possibly imagine just like you little bitch ha 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 and the, like the girl tries to scratch him and he d- draws blood and he's like laughing about it it's fucking ridiculous and so you're like this voice you're not the girl you don't play as the girl I should have clarified that you play as this voice inside of her head uh, who isn't like her inner self because she has knowledge that you don't have and vice versa it's literally like an actual voice person consciousness inside of her and uh you try to steer her to either aborting or keeping the child and uh jesus if it doesn't have some of the worst writing i've ever seen it's uh, pretty bad for a for a game i don't even care if it doesn't have gameplay if it's gonna be kind of an interactive story it has to do that part well um but so basically what this does is that kind of like st- beginner fiction writer um it'll be really cool and artistic if i do one word sentences that just describe what's happening sleep wake brush teeth ipod music rem and <laughs> that's like so many scenes are exactly like that and then i would say of- a good like half of the game is just words that are that yeah. are one word descriptions of what is she is doing like doorknob stairs <laughs> tears it's, more tears it's awful god yeah. and um so and you, like her friend the girl's friend and uh and her the way the way that you know that they're friends is because they call each other nicknames that's how friendly they are um you don't there's no other like camaraderie there's just nicknames, and they well, kind and, of and talk because, like robots. And because since you're reading inside of what she's thinking inside of her head, she says, "Oh, it's so and so, my best friend." Yeah, it's it's a 
It's not good. And the hook, this is a spoiler, by the way. The, the twist. Um, yeah. So, also, if you would rather not have this spoiled, if you're looking forward to playing Pregnancy yourself, then um, I recommend you stop watching and never come back. Just kill yourself, leave, get out. Um, so at the end, she basically just does the opposite of whatever you've been steering her toward just because it just kind of happens at the end. There's no buildup. It's just whatever you've been steering her toward, she does the opposite. And the game even explains why it does that. It says that in the end, the decision is hers. And um, <laughs> But it's, it's not because she does whatever you don't do. So you still control the outcome. It just pisses you off. It's not good. It's really bad. But it was a fun stream. Uh, I actually got probably the most um, I think people ever watch in one of my streams. It was it was fun. So that's pregnancy. Um, good times all around. I also finished up House of Cards season three. Uh, I thought it fucking sucked. I didn't <laughs> like it. It was bad. Um, that I can understand why people wouldn't want me to spoil that. So I won't go into details. But it's just dumb so much dumb shit happening i remember last week and i don't know if we're going to be able to successfully talk around this if you feel like you can't then just tell me but you said that there was one thing that you thought i was going to really hate what what did you mean oh god um i'm trying to think of of what exactly fuck what well, if i remembered the context i'd probably be able to i, well, I don't know I, I i can't remember there there were two things that i was fucking enraged at so uh, the bases are probably covered there but it, it's not good yeah not a good written show well written show I, here's the thing about the sh i get the impression uh especially after the first season that the writers it, it's almost like the way that lost was written which is like all right we need these cool things to happen how do we get the characters there and and then they get there to the when the cool thing happens and they say oh shit we're here uh what are we gonna do next and i agree i don't think it's a very well-written show i think it's a well-directed show i i still think it's very enjoyable to watch mostly just oh, because the yeah, actors are I so agree. fucking good um i enjoyed watching season three and then like two days later i it, it never even came up in my mind like again like that's the thing like usually when i finish watching like binge watching a season of a tv show i like thinking about it for like the next week i like keep going back yeah. to it and like thinking about it house of cards just dropped off of my radar completely i like the only time i thought about it was when you tweeted about it um i i didn't hate it i didn't hate season three i thought it was worse than those seasons before it i enjoyed watching it i would never watch it again I don't know. I that's a it's a dodge show. Like I was having fun sometimes, but I guess like part of what um I guess irritated irritates me the most about the show is the creator Bo Willeman, who is also the head writer and showrunner. He didn't create the whole thing, just the American version. And um he I read some interviews with him in like Rolling Stone and I a few other publications. And he is like so eager to explain the the themes and his character's yes. motivations and everything. He just like explicitly says it. And that kind of like 
that connected the dots for me because I realized that, and also I, I see fans defending the some of the plot turns online and justifying characters' actions. And for all of those things, you're like, yes, I guess that makes sense technically, but really those character motivations don't actually make any kind of thematic sense or work well. They're like platitudes, like justifications, rationalizations that, yes, you can make after the fact, but it, it, it doesn't actually come out in the show. And some of the things that he explains, like when he says like, okay, I, I, okay, I, now I remember one particular thing that I read in an interview and this like, this changed my perspective on the show significantly just because I, I got to see from the writer's perspective a motivation for how to make a character. Uh, there was a, a question where they asked like, uh, we see in season three that uh, Frank has quite a singing voice. He sings quite often. Uh, what you know? What, what do you? Uh, what, why are you making him sing? And uh, and the writer was like, uh, "Well, we just think it's really interesting when he sings. You know, it it brings out a part of his character that uh, you don't see very often. You know, you see this cold Frank Underwood, but then he starts singing, and it's like, wow, he can sing. That's it. That's the explanation. Is that the viewer will go, wow, he can sing, and they don't expect him to sing because he's cold." Yeah, like, that's exactly why I felt like it was there in the show. Like, it's not like that was an interesting revelation. I felt like it just kind of happened yeah. just to force that point down my throat. Anyway. Yeah. It's... And there wasn't enough. Okay, here's my my main problem with season three is that I watched that show not because I, the, the plot is interesting or anything like that, not because the characters are anywhere d- as deep as like Mad Men or or Breaking Bad or these other shows that I really enjoy. I, I like the moments that everyone else likes about House of Cards when like Frank Underwood does something magnificent and then looks at the camera and says something snarky. It's really simple. That's all you have to do to please people watching the show. And season three had very little of that actually. I like go looking back at it, like I couldn't think of one like a single time where that blew me away where like season one the first episode it was like holy shit he had like a really good moment and then like season three just didn't have any of it for me i yeah i was pretty disappointed by that and and fans will say or not fans because you know there's also fans who wouldn't defend a lot of this stuff but apologists for season three will say things like well it's about you know he has the power that he wanted but now what is he gonna do is everything's crumbling around him so he doesn't have enough time to be cute and execute these plans and yeah whatever i get it that's a nice platitude again but it's not what made the show good in the first place. I felt yeah. like this season was trying to be kind of like Mad Men. It was trying to do character study and the Doug Stamper stuff, like spending oh, like yeah. 20 minutes per episode of him, like being sad <laughs> and having an addictive personality. Like it, it didn't work. It doesn't work for that show. That show is entirely driven by plot. Some good old meaty plot has to happen and it really didn't yeah so. I, I i that's you're right they're def, they definitely tried to sit, to make it a character study with like they 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 basically eliminated a lot of the secondary characters as they, they basically aren't characters anymore or they don't show up very often they focus like on frank and his wife and and doug and uh, you know it and kind of a little bit of uh the hacker dude and all that stuff but like um yeah, they're not very good at it, and that's not why people watch the show. They don't watch it 
for those character studies. You know, if you start out in Breaking Bad and Mad Men and 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 those kinds of shows, Band of Brothers, it starts out you're you're seeing these great characters, you're seeing these actors portray great characters. You watch the show because you like the characters. Frank Underwood's the only character that people really, really love about House of Cards. I mean, I like his, I like his wife too. But like, I don't, I don't yeah. need the show to be a study of those characters or anything. I, I just put those characters in cool situations where they say cool things. Like that's clearly <laughs> it. It's not doesn't need to be a deep show, and it's not why I started watching it. And I think people who do watch it for that reason are either shallow people, or they're realizing now that it probably isn't isn't delivering on that on the people that who think that season three was a good examination of house of cards characters were probably listening to that biographers like writing about uh, frank underwood in the water where it's like the the shittiest fucking writing just and then he cast into the waves and the icy chill around him at my door it was he foolish uh, or was he you know hold on somebody's broken into Skippy's house to kill him. So I'll I'll just try to carry this. Um Yeah, it's just like the show tried really, really hard to deepen itself out of nowhere and it didn't work. That's all I gotta say about uh House of Cards season three. We are gonna talk about Hotline Miami too. Just as a kind of straw poll. Um I'm not actually gonna make a straw poll. But how many people in the chat have bought it and started playing it? I just got I'd someone else's meal delivered to my door. Nice. I, um, I just killed the House of Cards discussion, and I okay, asked that's if fine. people in the chat have, uh, have have bought Hotline Miami 2 yet. But that was basically just killing time. I think we can actually just talk about it with well, each other now. The only thing I wanted to say about House of Cards is that I, I, I did... Uh, the fans, when they defend it for being... Uh, for saying it's it's interesting that he gets to the position of being like in power, the president, and he finds that he doesn't have power because suddenly he's in the public eye when before he was in the shadows. It's true, and there there was definitely like an attempt to portray that, and it was, I think it I think it was interesting like seeing him have to be like classically political instead of you know backstabbing people and stuff, um, but. <sighs> They need to, if in the next season, if in the next season, I don't know. I, I what what they should have done to me, or maybe maybe they're still planning to do something like this. He needs to be the puppet master of the president. He needs to, his wife needs to become the president or something where he can go around <laughs> behind them and 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 you know stab everyone else in the back and and you know lift this person up as being the president and nobody is watching him nobody expects it to be all him uh but him being president isn't that interesting and and i think part of the problem too is that the american president isn't (laughs) that powerful you know i mean that's the whole basis of the american government system is that the president is only as powerful as the two other branches of government and so like he gets to the top and then it's like uh so i (sighs) Yeah. Unless they do something drastic with that show in the next season where like it totally changes the direction it's going. I, I can't see it being interesting for much longer. I guess to to kind of put a capstone on House of Cards, I recommend everybody watch the British version. It it's basically done perfectly for what House of Cards is kind of what it is at its core. It's a four episode miniseries. It's super direct 
tons happens. It's a dense show. It's really fun. It's just, it's great. It's really good. There's and no it, way it doesn't try to be something that good. it isn't. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a British like, like yeah, like British kind of like political soap opera drama thing. Like that's all. That's all it tries to be, and it's good at it. And House of Cards is trying to be a lot more than it really is. So, yeah. All right. We want to talk about Wrong Number. I'm I'm so pumped to talk about Wrong Number. <laughs> I do. I've played um, like. And this is like a segue into your week. Do yeah, I guess. I've probably played uh. I don't know. I, I don't remember like what scene or whatever I'm on. I think like I'm 12 or some somewhere around there. And I'm on 14. Um, it's so we're fucking the same hard. Area. It's a hard ass game. It's not that Compared much harder than I remember. I, I remember having a lot of trouble with the first one too, though. I, I had like, I remember, no trouble with the first one. This is I'm causing having about me the same amount of trouble. Um, but I did have a lot of trouble with the first one. Honestly, I, I I found a lot of it really hard. The problem, the thing that makes this one, this is actually to me the thing that pissed me off the most about hotline Miami. And I don't, I think it's kind of a minor thing, but at the same time it, I do wish it was different in the, in the fact that a lot of the levels are like really open and they're wide, wider than the camera can, you know, show. And so you'll be like moving along and then bam, you'll be shot off screen because someone saw you and, and you couldn't see them or, or like you could see them for a split second before they turn and shoot you. Stuff like that kind of drives me crazy because there's not a whole lot you can do to anticipate it. You just have to learn where the enemies are. And then you learn where the enemies are, you respawn, and they move to a random location. You know, they're not they're not necessarily in one spot. Um, there's some you things the I like about the second. Them. Both. Uh, the, the second in particular. Seen any though, random that's enemies. Well, when I say I don't mean like random spawn locations, I mean like the ones that wander. You know, oh, the oh, ones okay. that wander gotcha. around, they don't have like a path that they follow. Sometimes they'll wander straight into you. They'll even, they'll even open doors and stuff. And they did that in the first one too. And when I, 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 I started playing Hotline Miami thinking it was like a puzzle game. But then when those enemies started like wandering around and then like the weapon, sometimes the weapon pickups are different. Like it, enemies are holding different weapons and stuff. You can't think of it too much like a puzzle game because you can't follow the same pattern every time you'll, you'll die. Uh, but there are some things I I, I, I kind of like that too because I don't want it to be just figuring out the exact motions to get through a level. But I don't know. I I do like it a lot. I love it. But yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm really liking it. I like it quite a bit more than the first one for a lot of reasons. Um, yeah, so far me too. I like how they kind of constrain you, and you know, some levels you'll have no abilities at all. Others you'll have like a really kind of gimmicky but in a good way ability yeah and um but and and then sometimes i I don't want to spoil like the setup of how it puts these constraints on you because those are some of the cooler parts but there's like a couple missions where your ammo is super super limited yeah and i'm on a i'm scene 14 um is one of those levels and it's really irritating me uh, like I'm not c- totally convinced it's bad yet, but I've been on it for a while, and I don't feel like I'm having fun with that particular level anymore, because I feel like the entire game has changed into just conserving ammo and almost sneaking around. But yeah, because this it's not like a stealth game. There's 
you know, it's kind of basic line of sight, and then enemies just kind of run straight at you. The, like, stealthing around for an entire level and being really, really conservative and um, and slow and methodical, it's the opposite of what Hotline Miami is about. Like, it scores you based on the carnage and your movement. If you move around yeah. a lot and very quickly, it gives you more points. Like, for the other levels like it, it's not a problem. But for this one in particular, it's I think it's trying to be, like, the apex of that kind of gameplay in this game. Um, as far as like the max difficulty for that specific type of challenge, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's something even worse, but or not worse, but harder. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know what you mean, and I, I I've gotten that impression from some of the levels where it's like I feel like I'm playing a stealth game because I'm specifically trying to stay out of the enemy's line of sight and find like the path I can take to avoid getting a bunch of enemies rushing at me and stuff. Um, I I don't like that as much as like I just played a level where. There's just a shit ton of enemies in a pretty concentrated area. And like if you fire a gun, a significant amount of them are going to run after you and they're patrolling. So you fire a gun again and then more are going to come. That's really fun, though. Like you, you yeah. shoot a few, you run out of ammo, you pick up another gun, you throw something at it. You throw the gun that you, you're out of ammo in and knock someone over. And like having enemies rush at you and having to deal with it and actually getting through it is a really satisfying experience. But it's not so satisfying to just slowly move through a level shooting one at a time. Um I, although I do like the silenced pistol, I do have fun oh, with I that one. That. I love that weapon. <laughs> yeah. and um, um, I also really like the um, well. Of course, the music. The music's even better than the first one. It's oh, it is so far fantastic, I'm amazing. Yeah. and the story actually, it feels like the first one was kind of cool and mysterious. This one, I feel like it's actually going somewhere almost. I haven't finished it, mm-hmm. so I can't you know talk about. It how the the story as a whole but i'm actually really interested in what's going on and i get like a, a much more violently schizophrenic oppressive feeling from this game than i did from the first one like yeah. i feel like i'm just bathed in violence constantly it almost like tonally it's almost like a death grips album <laughs> I can't I can't speak to that um, relationship, but I do like um, there were there's two scenes in particular. And I'm not, I'm not going to like spoil anything, but I'm going to kind of vaguely there's there's the first like there's the one where it's like a uh, an interview on a TV show, and then it turns into like a like a dream sequence almost or completely. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that was an awesome moment. Um, well, I guess cutscene uh, where where it was like it felt. It felt like the first game, but like somehow it 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 it, to- it pulls off that tone better, like you said. Like it pulls off a darker kind of feel to it. Uh, and then uh, the one where you're the the journalist and you go to like the Russian mob place. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love the the <laughs> gameplay as that guy. Yeah. Uh, can we talk? I think we can talk about we that. Can, okay. Yeah. Let's just fucking spoil that part because it's like if you haven't played this, you can shut your ears off for five minutes or it's close pretty the early and it's not that yeah, big a deal it's just it's like a minor a cool deal. thing it's really um, cool though yeah it yeah it's really cool <laughs> but um when you're this journalist guy you start off not being able to pick up the guns of that the enemies drop you have to kind of punch them and then just incapacitate them and move on which is drastically different from the rest of the game like in any other game that wouldn't be a big deal but because it's in hotline miami 2 it's huge but if you incapacitate someone and then actually beat them to death and do that to a couple of guys then 
everything changes and then you just go fucking berserk and can pick up any gun you want and kill anybody you want it's so nice I love it. it's and, so and it's good like did you notice like it changes like the filter on the screen pretty subtly yeah. Like, like yeah as you start punching a guy the screen filter just slowly starts getting into that more like hotline miami like like weird kind of vibe thing that it that it has and With the and, pulsing uh, colors and then it starts yeah. to slightly <laughs> and, vibrate like and shake I don't a little remember bit if the first game did this it probably did but i just never noticed have you noticed that every time you get a kill like the background of the level like flashes yeah. a little bit that little thing makes it like that that makes it so satisfying like it feels just everything about the design of that game just makes it it feels so good to like just get through it and kill as many people as you can as quickly as you can which is exactly what it should be doing mm-hmm. um god that's a good I, I like that game a lot and 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 the soundtrack i just can't believe that they made the soundtrack better i, I was expecting because i kind of like i've listened to the original soundtrack a lot like i had a cd of it in my car and stuff and so i like it's kind of ingrained into my brain and i thought like there's no way i'm gonna like the soundtrack of two because the soundtrack of one is hotline miami to me so like how am i gonna i i i, I can't see myself like just winning over like two winning over me but it it totally did like i'm I'm loving it so far the spoilers are over i finish um i also really liked the um what was it it was something about the soundtrack no you say something i'll think of it (laughs) i'll just say something um i don't know i have you played the guy yeah you probably have where where you uh right click and he he dual wield he's dual wielding and you can right click and yeah, like yeah. make him I, unfortunately like the where they introduce him isn't a very good spot to like actually use I have that never ability. found a use for that but that it's so it's, but it's never been cool useful idea. to me it's so i feel cool, like it can be useful it's not <laughs> <laughs> well it's um, still cool or maybe not yet maybe something will happen that you know, gives There's it a lot some of moments use, like but... in other levels where I thought that like it would be really nice to have that ability, like where like a hallway like branches off into a T intersection and you can just like go into the middle of it and, and spray both ends. But uh, whatever, I, I do really enjoy oh. just like picking up an automatic weapon and spraying it down a hallway and getting a few kills too. That's always fun. I remember what it was going to say. Um, I like how they very subtly like rebalanced guns to make them like less the go-to option always. Um, in the first one, I felt like when you were holding down shift, you were more accurate, or like the screen didn't move around as much. Like yeah. I, fe- I felt like you could kind of hold down shift and pick people off pretty pretty easily and safely if you had a gun. And in this, you can still kind of do that, but it's just harder. Uh, like they they rebalanced it just ever so slightly so that it feels kind of clumsy if you're really trying to reach long ranges with that gun and like now it's not just that melee weapons give you more points now they might actually be the viable way to approach lots of situations that they wouldn't have been viable in in hotline miami one so i kind of appreciated that because the melee i think is i i personally enjoy the melee more than the guns yeah and there's some pretty good melee stuff the the chainsaw that's great (laughs) and the um the machete is pretty good too if you've used that one yeah i i there's there's barely anything that i can say negatively about that game so far which is makes it crazy that there's a pc gamer review of it that gave it like a 50 something i saw that i mean that's nuts to me i don't know what they're smoking but said it's not an improvement over the first one or that it's not different enough but that it was worse 
Yeah. They said and, it was worse. That amazed me because so far it's been, at least to me, noticeably better than the first. Yeah. In literally every way. Yeah, definitely. Um, there, there's some things that I wish it had changed from the first, but that I don't mind aren't changed. Like, like I said, like the level design being really open and stuff. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that, but like, it comes down mostly to just personal preference. There's some glitches that I wish weren't in there, like especially with like the doors. Like the doors in one were really glitchy, and it doesn't seem like they've really improved that at all. But uh, I mean, these are pretty minor things, uh, and and I think that review might have been influenced by the social justice agenda. I don't um, think like I, well, I read it and I didn't see anything really like that. Well, I know you're the not actually suggesting. Does it? I don't know. I kind of skimmed <laughs> There's it. There's a whole because paragraph where he says that the, that the rape scene isn't necessary and that it's problematic. Okay, I didn't see that. Uh, okay, right. And PC Gamer is the same website that ran the preview of Hotline Miami 2 in which a, a woman played it at a game convention and said that when that scene happened that she suddenly felt um, uncomfortable and isolated and oppressed and uh, that was like 75% of the preview of the game was just her talking about how it made her feel when the rape scene happened. Um, you know what? Like, and then he changed it to. Uh, I have to finish this. I'm sorry. The the game creator came out and said, "Okay, you know, I hear your criticism of that scene. Uh, I promise I will address it in some way." And the the way that he addressed it is the Call of Duty style. Like, would you like to include the graphic scenes or whatever in this game? And then the review from PC Gamer said, "Uh, well, you know, the having that option to turn it on or off suggests that the scene isn't powerful or isn't necessary." So like it's actually criticizing him yeah. for addressing the criticism that that PC Gamer gave it to begin. I, I, I used to like PC Gamer. And you know what? I I kinda not even kinda. I really wish that wasn't there. Um, if to to further the death grips comparison, and you don't really have to listen to any of that, but it's basically incredibly oppressive, violent, schizophrenic, just anger, and um. It would be weakened if at the start, like in the actual album, there was something that said, warning, the following album contains graphic, <laughs> graphic yeah, like, lyrics. Well, yeah, in some ways I agreed with the with the reviewer in that, like, either go all the way or don't, you know? Especially when your game is already incredibly graphic and, and violent, like... You need to you need to stick to your guns when you're creating something that that I would consider art, um, even if a lot of people consider it degeneracy or whatever the hell. Um, it is it is always kind of yeah weak to me to see that. And I mean, when a game like Call of Duty does it, it's it's not a big deal because Call of Duty is about as far from art as you can get. But like Hotline Miami does feel like they're actually like making statements and stuff, and and it, it feels kind of gross to have something like that. Uh, where it's just like, would you like to see? <laughs> would you like to see how I intended the game to be, or would you like it to be catered to your, your, your? Yeah, whatever. It, it does. Gross is probably the best word to describe it. Like, I feel like that vision is so fully realized. Like the entire time, you feel like you're just soaked to the bone in just this crazy fucking nuts disco yeah. violent world and... like there's a reason like in some ways the previewer for home pc gamer got that scene right because you feel like look, when it happens you're like holy fucking shit and it like takes you back and then it and then it turns out to be like a snuff film being made or whatever like a, a, a like a porn weird porn or like violent whatever film um 
and and you're like what the fuck this is this game like this is crazy and it, it it's a powerful way to start off the game and i'm not saying it would be ruined without that scene but like either include it or don't you yeah. know it's just i don't think it would have been ruined without the scene either like this that scene itself like wasn't terribly important but because the game feels so like artistically complete or good or realized the fact that there's even that hedging going on in the first place is it's gross you put it yep. best yep and it's but, it's yeah. it's it's really the only time that the game uh, it's the most video gamey like like menu option kind of thing that 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 i've seen in the game yet because like like you mentioned on, on twitter that like the the pause menu for the game is like really it's clever and it, I, I i like it a lot it's like it's like you're uh you're it's like the VCR tracking option kind of thing. It looks really good. Like they didn't yeah. skimp on that effect at all. Yeah, it's really well done. And from the beginning, the the game kind of, you know, it's still a game, but it 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 has that style, and it's kind of trying to present to you that this is like this weird like '80s kind of VHS movie, like like B movie, like amateur kind of thing, and 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 then it just has this video game pop-up thing like would you like to see the content that is it's it's weird yeah. that's a it's a small detail though um overall we're, we're talking about it far more than it needs to be talked about because it is very very tiny in the overall grand scheme of things and it's a very good game and if you haven't bought it especially if you haven't bought the first one you need to buy and play both right now because they're some of my favorite games yeah the worst thing about uh not having played the first one at this juncture would be uh having to play through it to get to the excellence that is the second not that the (laughs) first one's bad but like the second one is so much better so far that like if i knew i would want to get to it fast yep i the first one's really good too though yeah i didn't mean to imply anything other than that it's such a good game but the second is so good that if you if you didn't if you don't have it, if you haven't experienced Hotline Miami yet, you are missing out, and you need to get it right away. And I, I've heard it gets also like really, really cool and crazy towards the end. So I, I, I cannot wait to to get all the way through it. I don't know how long it is. I, I assume it's not that much longer, probably than the first one. But uh, anyway, um, is that all we have to say about Hotline Miami too? Um. I guess somebody named Moose Plays in the chat said, the fact that you guys are talking about the scene is ridiculous. All the blood and guts don't mean shit, but sexual violence is too much. That's crazy. Well, uh, we, we don't have yeah, a problem with it. We agree. Yeah. We, we... <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I, yeah. It, yep. Um, all right. Moving on. Uh, my week. Um, I am addicted right now. To Counter Strike Global Offensive, I'm I, I have 100% become addicted to it. I, I want to play it like all the time, except when I'm playing Hotline Miami too. Um, I there's just something about like I, I I something finally clicked for me with like the way that you aim and shoot and just like suddenly over the course of a couple of days, I got much. It felt much more natural to shoot someone in the head from a long distance with an AK-47, and suddenly like fuck i'm playing the shit out of this game and i hate it because when you're playing in competitive which i like to play in competitive with a few people 
you're you're usually if you're if you're around the rank that you probably should be somewhere around that that level i think that i'm maybe a couple ranks higher than i should be i'm a master guardian too um you're gonna lose half the time it's gonna happen you're gonna lose a lot of games and it sucks to lose it really sucks and i get so fucking frustrated and then then i get frustrated and i start playing badly because i'm frustrated and God damn it. Like, I went to bed last night just, like, angry because I had lost a game, like, right before I went to bed. I was like, fuck! And, <laughs> and it's just a video game. Like, it's the most... It's like, I've never become so fucking frustrated at a video game, but that's also part of why I like it. And it is also really fun to win, so... But, uh... I, um, yeah. I... Not uh, Johnning here for no reason, but I play with some pretty bad players. <laughs> and, um... For a while, I just would not play with them. I I would only play either solo or with someone else who was similar in skill to me. And after I did that, I got up to um to DMG, which is like above the Master Guardian Elite with the double AK thing. Yeah, it's the badge. And then I kind of like stopped playing for a bit, stopped caring about the game so much. And then recently I picked it up and started playing with the bad players again and now I'm sitting back at Master Guardian 1. Like it makes such a difference having good teammates or having shit teammates. And I wouldn't care so much if I was actually like worse at it, but there is nothing more frustrating than like sinking 45 minutes into a game and like carrying a losing team every time it's horrible yeah. part of what's frustrating uh part of the reason that i, I got so frustrated last night in particular and i don't know if ziggy and champ are, are i i play with two people ziggy and champ uh they they're pretty good they're probably better than, they're probably both better than i am um but we're, we're all three of us are pretty good every time once in a while we play with a guy named bananas he's pretty good too i mean we're all pretty good we kind of know what we're, we know a lot of the smoke spots we work together as a team pretty well but we usually only have four people and so we usually have at least one random person in the uh in the match with us and <laughs> god damn it fucking that guy can make it or break it just one person so, like sometimes I, I first of all they're playing alone I don't know how they get up to a, such a high rank when they're really bad because they'll get on there and it's like, I'd rather have a bot at this point. Like they're just dying over and over. But the worst ones are the ones that are legitimately good at the game. Like one V one, they can win a, you know, a shootout, but they have no fucking idea how to play as a team or how to like, actually like, you know, like once you're up to master guardian, like you're having to really work as a team and communicate and you'll just get these guys who don't even use the microphone they just run in and they get a, they get a kill or two at the very beginning of the match and then die. They think they're good because they're getting kills, but we're losing because they're not working as a team. And, and that pisses me off because it's like, you're good. All you have to do is, is learn the game and you're, you're set. But God damn it. Ugh. I used to play with this guy who would basically act like that, but it would almost always work. Like he wouldn't play as a team, but it rarely ever didn't work and he wasn't like a god at the game he was the same rank that we were but he like you know every once in a while he'd be like oh i'm just gonna go off alone there and uh i'll try to kill everybody and then he just would <laughs> it just worked i i yeah. don't know how he did it and he what he wasn't like a pro and he he would lose a lot but Whenever he wanted to stop playing as a team, it would almost always work. It was freaky. 
Well, part of the reason I, I like playing Counter-Strike is because I legitimately, like, I don't feel like I'm just wasting my time when I'm playing it. I actually feel like I'm, I'm learning how to control, like, my frustration, you know, and, like, <laughs> get in the zone and stuff like that because it fucking gets to your head. Yeah. But last night, one thing that I learned was, like, all right, you have one guy who's not working as a team very well. Instead of just getting fucking frustrated at that guy and trying to get him to work as a team, you need to work around him not playing as a team. You know, if he rushes in, you need to work with that instead of work against it. And I didn't do that last night and neither did anyone else. And so we lost. But like that guy, you know, he was getting picks, as you would call him. He was getting kills right there at the beginning. So we could have worked off of that. But instead, we kind of fought against it. And 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 we only learned at the very end, like, hey, maybe we should actually like use this to our advantage. So. I, I, I do like that game, and I do legitimately feel like it, you you can learn some stuff from it. You can learn, like, some stuff about, like, yourself with any competitive thing, like any actual sport. I, part of the reason I like racing is because I learn a lot about myself when I'm on the racetrack and I'm making mistakes, you know? So I feel the same way about Counter-Strike. When I make mistakes, I feel I can actually learn from them and, and actually, like, you know, apply that to other things in life even. Not not that fucking Counter Strike is is that important in the grand scheme of things or anything, but it's it's cool and and I like it. That's oh, yeah, a good that, game. That'd be a really easy statement to make fun of, but it is true that yeah, like any kind of serious competitive video game does kind of reveal those things. I've and kind of been feeling to, like, similarly a, about a um, bunch of different things at, at once. I've kind of felt similarly about Smash Brothers at some points. Like there is nothing more frustrating than losing a bunch of games in a row to the same person it just mm-hmm. it just gets inside your head and it's not like that person is actually better but they get the momentum in that game is such a real thing and it just compounds itself and um it it works the other way too that you kind of try to manage being on like on top temporarily like if you're beating the snot out of somebody you, you got to handle that in a you know tactful way too yeah yeah i mean i it, it, you're right it's it's easy to make fun of which is why it's hard to make these kinds of statements but you you can learn things from video games kids it's true you can and and i think i think when you're playing something that's multiplayer and actually competitive whether it's a fighting game with your friends or whatever you learn how to you know like i said control yourself and and like especially like with me i I, i'll go through like just in one night in counter-strike i'll be the top of the team with like a 2-1 kill death ratio and just like doing awesome doing really well and then the next game i'll just be at the bottom of the scoreboard i'll be dying at the beginning of every round and the only difference is that it's something emotionally like i'm just like getting in and out of the zone and and learning to control that you know that's not just something that's that's useful for video games like that's useful in 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 life so video games are good good for video games um we're still on the topic of my week and we're 42 minutes in (laughs) that's okay Um, i mean there's not that much news going on um shovel knight I have decided that I don't really like that game that much. I really not that not that it's a bad game or that I don't like its style and what it's trying to do and all that. Like I appreciate it as a game. I just don't think I like that kind of like I've never really been into the side-scrolling adventure kind of games. Period. Um, and something about just like 
I just don't enjoy playing it that much. I, I enjoyed playing it for a little while, but now like I'll play it for five minutes and just be like, ah, fuck it. Like I, like I'll die once and just be like, oh, I don't want to do the do do the the few screens before that uh that 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 follow the the spawn point. Like I just like nope, fuck it, and then I just close it because I I. I don't know. I don't love it. I, 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 there are some things I really, I like, I like its style a lot. I like its music a lot. I like the way that it emulates being an old game down to like, you move to the edge of the screen and the, and the new screen loads and everything's just paused. And then, it, and then the enemies load after the level. I like that stuff. Like, it's really cool. There's a lot of attention to detail. But when it comes down to actually playing it, I'm just not having fun. Have so, you, you said you did finish it? No, I'm probably about halfway through. I'm like at the Ice Knight and the Tinker Knight or something. Okay. I don't know what it is. Maybe this won't happen to you, but I got like halfway through the game and then didn't play it for like six months or so. <laughs> like I kind of yeah. lost interest at almost exactly where you are. And then I picked it up again and I liked it a lot more. And I don't know why. I like. I don't think there's any reason. I still plan on finishing it because I feel like there's... I, I want to see more of the game. I like what I see in the game. But like I said, just playing it when it comes down to actually playing it. And I I don't want to say that I, I, I've i had fun playing it up to this point. And then I just, for some reason, I just hit this point where I was just like, mm, I just don't want to play any more of this. Um, I, don't, I, I almost feel like, and I hate to say this because I really like games that, that try to do this. I almost feel like it's too simple it's too straightforward like like you have like basically two attacks that you use most of the time and then you've got your magic and it's like i don't know i, I usually i like games that try to be so simple but there's something that i just get bored of really really quickly and 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 like i said the first like the first time i'll die in a level i'm just done and i just don't want to play the game anymore so i don't know i'll probably finish it still but it might take a while <laughs> um all right and also uh for my last frustrating game of the... <laughs> all these games have had their own frustrations that that I've talked about. Um, Mass Effect, I was streaming that last week. Um, <laughs> I got the, the Mako, is that how you pronounce it? The vehicle? Um, I got that stuck in part of, the, part of one of the levels where I just couldn't get it out. And I used a quick save after I got it stuck. And the autosave was from like literally... 45 minutes before that and I did not want to play through that 45 minutes again and so I had to like <laughs> I was on stream and I, I got it stuck and I spent like probably like a good 20 maybe 30 minutes just trying all these different ways to get it unstuck and I couldn't do it and then I just walked the rest of the way and fought all these enemies that you're supposed to be like shooting at with the main cannon of your fucking vehicle and I'm just having to fight them on foot which was kind of fun actually I, 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 I kind of enjoyed <laughs> what it forced me into doing but that game has some weird issues that I know it's kind of an old game, like 2008. I still feel like it's not old enough to get away with some of the issues that it has. Like, um, I think I mentioned this last week too, or, or at some point, um, the auto saves are just in ridiculously stupid spots. Yep. I, I I don't know what the logic is. There is no logic. It would just be like, okay, now's an all save, and then like you'll die and you'll just forget to save because hey, it's 2015, and then boom, you're back like 45 minutes before, or it's like there's a boss fight and it auto saves before the dialogue leading up to the boss fight. So every time you die in the boss fight, you have to go through the dialogue options, and it's just like God fucking damn it. Um, Are you nearing the home stretch of the game? Would you say? No, I probably I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to tell, but I'm probably like 
less than halfway through, but I, I don't know. Okay. I, I, I'm um, enjoying it a lot, though. I do I do still like it a lot. The second one's autosaves are quite a bit better. Yeah. I've heard I've I've heard very good things about how the second one improves upon the first. Um but I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like I'm not enjoying Mass Effect cuz I am. Like it's a it's definitely a good enough game to get past these these issues, but the issues are just so simple and like so easy to fix too. Like it should have been something that would have been very easy to fix, but whatever. It, it's a big enough game where like it's going to have glitches and and whatnot, so I I can look over most of it. But uh that's my week. Um now that we're well into our podcast it's time to get to news um not a lot of big news some little things i don't know we maybe we can get some good discussion out of this stuff uh metal gear solid 5 we were mentioning last week about their big announcement and that announcement turned out to be uh just a uh what was it like a deluxe package or something that has like snake's hand as one of the like, i don't know it's i i i never Standard really care kind of about collector's edition stuff. yeah i never care about that stuff i know a lot of people do so whatever um its release date turned out to be like september 1st and then maybe on the same day it turns out that the pc release date is september 14th two weeks after which this pissed me off. Like this actually like made me really frustrated because I know those two weeks are going to be hell because I don't want to get it on a console. I want to get it on PC, and I don't want to wait two weeks. And that those two weeks are going to be incredibly hard to wait. Um, yeah. God damn them. They know that a lot of I'm people gonna are going to be I'm going to have to go on complete lockdown for spoilers. Yeah. For I'm that. just gonna. I'm not going to be able to go on any forums or anything. I'm probably going to have to like block people on Twitter and stuff. Like I can't. <laughs> God damn it. Um, it's going to be it's going to be hell uh and 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 there's i'm sorry there cannot be a good reason that you delay the pc by two weeks you can't do there's there's no way that something just takes two weeks to do it's a digital release it's not like it's it's not like it's having they're having to distribute it or anything so like god damn it two weeks god damn it it's gonna it's gonna be the worst two weeks ever yeah yeah <sighs> and it's probably going to be sixty dollars uh i think it's listed on konami's site as being sixty dollars which stop releasing pc games for sixty dollars although i guess that's just that's just how much they are now sixty dollars oh, it's been that way for forever yeah i don't know some games still come out as fifty dollars i'd say it's about and 50 50 with, right now actually with inflation since console games started being sixty dollars it's roughly equalized yeah you're, you're it's probably not quite right. there but like there's no way it will ever go back to 50. It will no, go up yeah, to 70 not. eventually. Yeah. Um, and and games are but becoming more expensive to produce. I think like Shadow of Mortar might have been 50 on PC, and Lords of the Fallen might have yeah, been Yeah, I want to say like Assassin's Creed, just like some random, like especially games that, that are released on PC after they come out on console. I feel like they a lot of them come out as $50, but whatever. And then it and then the, the incentive to buy it on PC is that it comes with like some stupid unlocks or something that i don't care about oh and xp online xp if you want some xp um but yeah i just i get frustrated when whenever pc releases are delayed but like if it's delayed three months then it's like okay it's because they that was not a priority for them they're gonna work on it after the game's released that's that's shitty but fuck two weeks there's nothing that they're having to do in two weeks like i feel like it, i it's not even I feel, time to get people to double dip <laughs> like uh, yeah not really but i i feel like people will and i feel like they know people will and I, i'm not saying that's the main reason that they've done it but i i think that they've done their research and i bet there's a lot of people who will double dip um, i don't know for two weeks i don't think so uh, 
Or at like least we said, if they maybe they'll double dip sometime in the future if they eventually get yeah. a, a gaming PC. But I mean, I I can't picture somebody with with a computer that they primarily play games on buying what's probably going to be a last gen version of the Phantom Pain just so that they can get it two weeks earlier. I don't see that happening to many people. Yeah, I. I just those two weeks are gonna suck. Like, they are will. we even gonna be able to read the chat while we're doing the podcasts oh, between the time? Like, I mean, it's gonna suck. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, poor PC gamers. We just get the worst of everything. Just fucking release Red Dead Redemption on the PC, and and all your sins will be forgiven. Developers. Oh, speaking of which, and we don't have this on um the Google Doc, but um, Take Two. Someone from Take Two said that they were asked about Red Dead Redemption and they said that it was going to be a permanent franchise. I heard so, something like that. I heard that there was going to yeah. be like sequels probably in, in planning. Which would be so cool. That <laughs> yeah, would honestly I, be amazing. I think that's a good idea. Like, a, like Nobody else is doing the Wild West and Red Dead Redemption was great and I think a sequel... Like, it's not the kind of game where like I, I want it to be on its own like i don't care like i yeah. a sequel would be nice um a lot of games I mean, it like, is a little bit different from grand theft auto in that i felt like the story in that game was really good it ended yeah the story yeah. ended <laughs> um, but i think they could do it again like there's there's more to be done with the i West. wouldn't want them to like like well like with grand theft auto i wouldn't want them to like continue the story i'd want it to be just something completely different which it probably would be um i yeah i like that idea uh yeah <laughs> I just released it on PC though. God damn it! Uh, I, maybe the, maybe a sequel will push them to try to revive I, that project. I hope so. It's real tough because Rockstar San Diego made that game. I think it was San Diego, um, and then they shut down. So it would actually be like physically difficult to try to yeah, release a definitely. new version of it because and the I think that engine's hard to work with anyway. So scattered out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's still. God damn it! There's a lot of there is a lot of demand for that though. I, I bet I bet someone could convince a board to to fund that. Um, all right, moving on. The uh, have you seen the Steam controller, the new version of that? Yeah, yeah. That I think that was at GDC, and it. Uh, I think it looks pretty good. I think it looks. I'm glad it, they added an analog stick. It yeah, needed a fucking analog and stick. Buttons. Yeah, it, it needed both of those things, and they knew it. Um, <laughs> It's yeah, still I gonna. I, I get like how important it is to have the trackpad, but you know, not having two analog sticks might be a deal breaker for a lot of people. For a lot of people, I don't think that'd be a. Deal. I, like I, I, I have played games on like my laptop when I don't have a mouse. Um, like not obviously not any games that require like twitch reactions or anything like that, right. but just like games where you're just aiming around casually and stuff and and it isn't that bad of a, like, and that's using like, that's a really uncomfortable way to do it. And I feel like if it was in a controller, I liked the idea of the steam controller, right? When I first heard about the trackpad stuff being used and, and the fact that they've added up one, just one joystick is a good thing. Cause I, I, I would not enjoy using that trackpad to like, just move around that. I think that that needed a joystick for sure. Uh, there's no room on the right side for a joystick. If they want to go with the trackpad, like period. Right. Um, but, but at least they added buttons because it seemed like their original plan was to, Make it so that if you click different parts of the trackpad, that would be like clicking buttons. 
I thought that was a terrible idea. I thought that was like the worst Same. aspect of the controller because you're going to be trying to click a button and you're going to be moving the aim and all that stuff. And it's just, you can't have two things serving the same function. Um, so I, I actually think it looks really good. I, I, I will probably get one because I just think it, it, it there were, there are certain games where I think that would be really fun to just sit back and relax and play and not have to deal with. I hate aiming with the joystick, even in a game that doesn't require like precision aiming. Like I just hate aiming with the joystick. It's so annoying to me after I've been used to PC games. Yeah. I'm going to buy one too when it comes out. Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, EA shut down Maxis, which it's not huge news and it's not that much of a surprise, but it's kind of, another thing that ea has has ruined over <laughs> yep. its over over its time um sim city that was the last thing that maxis did i think they don't do the sim the, the sims anymore they just do sim city and some other stuff and uh sim city was a disaster so it's not exactly surprising that they shut down also i doubt like any of the original people in maxis that made like the original sims or the original sim city were probably still there like it was probably a completely different team so in effect, it's not. It, this doesn't mean much, but I felt like it was noteworthy. <laughs> yeah, um, one of my favorite games when I was really little uh, was made by Maxis, and it wasn't the Sims. Uh, it wasn't SimCity or anything. It was um, Marble Drop for hmm. like Windows ninety five, and it was basically a puzzle game where it was real simple. It had like kind of pre rendered three D graphics, and you would drop like marbles down these really complicated series of like shoots and pads and then there would be electricity going around and pulley systems that you'd have to trigger things in the right order and get different color marbles to the finish in a certain order but if you do it wrong it fucks it up like it was a really complicated game and um each level was named after like a different renaissance um like artist or you know sculptor it was it was fun it was a fun game it had really corny kind of like classical I don't know, I loot, I think, sound effects. Hmm. Marble drop. I've I've been trying to find a way to play it on um on like modern machines. I've been messing around with stuff like DOS DOS boxes a pain, but Yeah. That was a fun game. That was a um, big part of my childhood. Did you ever play uh The Incredible Machine? I haven't, no. That was that was like one of my childhood games where it was like the whole the idea was that you build like a device to get like to complete a really simple objective it's like a 2d kind of like a i guess you would call it like bulletin board style where you like get parts and you put them on the thing and it's like gravity goes down and so like you're trying to like get a ball from over here to like land in this and then you know you're you're creating these rube goldberg devices and i loved that as a kid like that was that's the best game for a kid to play um yeah. i think there was like a spiritual successor like recently but it, that was like a sierra game or something um but yeah the the sims i i played a lot of the first sims um that, that's one of my favorite games of all time and so it's it's just kind of always sad to like see like yeah i, I was never like a maxis follower i would say but like I did love The Sims, and and I remember like every time you booted up, or no, it wasn't every time you booted it up. There was like a a button on the main menu where you click it, and it's like, what's his name? The create uh, creator uh, Will Wright is that yeah. the creator? Yeah. Um, it's him on a scooter with like a bunch of other like Sims around him and stuff. It's like some like drawing that they made like just just for fun or whatever. And I I don't know. That's just a weird. It was kind of weird to see to see that that news headline. Um, should we jump into? 
the Gamergate segment of the podcast. Hold on, hold on. Before you, uh, we have a special guest. We have a special guest? Hey, oh. Skippy! Skippy! Oh. Who's that? Hey! How many Gamergaters does it take to make a podcast? Oh, how many? Fifty! One to record the audio, one to make the website, and forty to say we're not your shield, and eight to learn that they're bad at math. <laughs> so that was just a disaster, <laughs> like fucking unbelievable. Well, it's totally believable, actually. I, I shouldn't yeah, say it's unbelievable, believable. but <laughs> like <sighs> it was just embarrassing. Really, really embarrassing. I felt like half embarrassed for him and half embarrassed to be a human being. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, if you haven't seen Tim Schafer, uh, his 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 not your shield joke, you can look that up on YouTube. Uh, it was basically exactly what I just said. Yeah, it's a bad joke. Words slightly. Uh, it's a bad joke. That's not the point, though. The point. The point is, god damn it! I don't know. I, I'll let you. I'll let you handle this. Yeah. Cause... What is the fucking point, huh? I get like the reason that so many people are pissed about it, uh, is because it wasn't like just about gamer Google. It was like specifically calling out not your shield, which is like the weirdest and most untenable anti-gamergate position probably like just to i don't know pinch out a loaf on a group of minorities and marginalized people who are tired of being generalized like that's the only reason that hashtag exists yeah it's just like a it's such a weird thing to mock i'm not saying like it's above satire or anything but it was bad satire yeah well yeah because it was it was pointless. Like part of the part of the things that people are using to def- to defend the joke is that like, well, the joke isn't really yeah, like yeah. trying to make a point or anything. It's like, well, then why even make it? And just like, if you're not aware of what Not Your Shield is, Not Your Shield is a, a hashtag that started trending on Twitter when there were a lot of like, it was kind of the peak of the Gamergate stuff going on, and there's a number of women and minorities and whatnot who all of these these social justice warriors claim to be protecting or whatever um they come out and they say you you don't represent me i i I don't want to be looped in with with your political beliefs with your views with your you know group of whatevers um and and so all not your not your shield isn't necessarily saying like i agree with gamergate it's just saying don't use me to make your point against gamergate and and i think even people were probably using it to say like I don't want any part of this argument. I'm not Gamergate or anti Gamergate or anything. I just yeah. don't want to be like neither of you speak for me. Like I am my own person. So it's like it's 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 a good message for like minorities and stuff. It's like saying like you are individuals and 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 they're they're standing up for themselves and they're saying like we have our own voice. You don't need to speak for us. We don't want these these white dudes <laughs> making articles that are that are defending us and and. Uh, and looping us all together and generalizing us into having one opinion and one, you know, view about all of this stuff to mock that in order to like, the, everyone claims no like, 
Yeah, just to get at Gamergate or whatever, like to use that to get at Gamergate is like if you can argue that Gamergate has has done one good thing, it would probably be that they've helped shed light on how people are kind of like dismissively patronizing about minorities when they're trying to defend them, you know? Yeah. That's that's the whole argument of not your shield is like you are by by saying that you are standing up for my oppression or whatever standing up against my my oppression you are you're you're patronizing you're 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 on a pedestal and you're not you don't actually represent patronizing if you will (laughs) indeed Uh, um so yeah that pissed a lot of people off and then and then you had people like uh ben kuchera our favorite our, our favorite think piece author um coming out and saying like oh you're just mad because the industry's laughing at you and mocking you and that first of all that's so wrong that's not true because the industry like these these game journalists con- continuously uh refer to themselves as being the industry but are also continuously proven to have a completely different perspective from actual developers from actual game developers and 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 so when a game journalist comes out and says we're laughing at you as the in- industry it's not that's that is not true. There, like, there are plenty of game developers who have come out and uh, against these kinds of people, against their, against what they're saying and all that stuff, and and just, and 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 people were saying like, well, you're just mad because he's making fun of Gamergate, and ooh, you're Gamergate, and you're mad, and look, now the tables have turned. We're we're uh, we're making fun of you, and 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 how does it feel? First of all, you've been making fun of Gamergate since it started. You're repeating that fucking. Uh, it's actually about ethics and journalism thing. That joke has still not died. My God, I see it everywhere. It doesn't require any context, which is the worst kind of joke. When you can reply like, to anything and say it's actually about ethics and game journalism, Jesus fucking. One of the most Christ, fascinating things joke. about um people who are vocally op- opposed to Gamergate is like all their attempts at humor are just not funny <laughs> like they, they don't get it's new bad. jokes i mean even though so many of the gamer gator jokes are like kind of stupid memes but they like get new material <laughs> at least they yes. kind of you know turn the sheets over well, they, they usually don't have to make their own going. material because they can yeah. just post a josh mcintosh tweet <laughs> And and Verbatim. and say and say, look, it's 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 Macintosh, and everyone laughs because you don't need to make a joke. It's it's already a joke. God yeah. damn it! Yep. I, I, yeah, that but it it did really frustrate me just to see. I get Tim Schafer making that joke didn't frustrate me. It's not like you said; it's not surprising or anything. And 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 he's not like he's not attempting to talk down to minorities speaking up for themselves. I think he's just completely ignorant of the whole thing. Like he just doesn't even realize what he's doing, which in some ways is even worse because it's like you're, you're mocking something that you don't clearly don't fully understand. But also it's, it's the people who got on Twitter and then like defended himself, defended him and, and defended him for the wrong reasons and said like uh, that, that not your shield is, uh, Ironically, they were saying that Not Your Shield is a shield for Gamergate. And I, I kind of get that argument that, like, Gamergate is using it to say, like, look, minorities and women are on our side. But, like, both sides are doing that. And and the, and the one that's clearly doing it more is 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 this anti-Gamergate side that says yeah. you're being sexist, you're being racist. 
Gamergate doesn't really accuse people of that very often. And I think and, and they jumped at the opportunity to, to accuse Tim Schafer of that. So I think people jumped at the opportunity to defend Tim Schafer because obviously he's not being racist. Obviously. But Yeah, and I think that even like the Gamergaters who use not your shield as a sort of shield they do it in a kind of different way yes they are saying look this kind of helps our side in some way but with it there's also an acknowledgement that you know um they're not trying to speak for a group of people they're saying look the people in the not your shield movement you know are clearly have stated like that's the origin of the movement they're you know critiquing this specific entrenchment of ideas so i mean it doesn't feel as dishonest like it does to me at least the people of not your shield have put forth an argument and that argument can be restated and favor one side yeah if that makes sense like it only it don't it gets dangerous to me if you you know if you're really saying well look look like look at all these minorities we've got we're not racist but yeah yeah and i think one of the main differences is that it comes down to there's only one side that is legitimately trying to uh paint people with a brush saying that they're racist or sexist gamergate doesn't really do that when gamergate gets an opportunity to do that they jump at it and they 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 use hyperbole they they blow it way out of proportion which which they probably shouldn't be doing but that's kind of the point because like that's that's that is what that is what people that's what game journalists have been doing for the last five years is finding these tiny little things that maybe they're sexist in video games and just making a huge writing a you know 20 paragraph article about how it's sexist and what it means for the game and blowing it out of proportion. So when, when, when the other side blows Tim Schafer's statements out of proportion, all they're really doing. And I, I don't think that this is a conscious effort on, on, on most of Gamergate, most of Gamergaters part. But I think for some people, this is conscious. This is like an actual, like they're making an ironic kind of look how it feels. Look how it feels to be accused of being racist when you're not look how it feels to 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 have people just jump at your neck when you you, you were just making an innocent joke you know uh, yeah and the, at the very least see... if that's not implied in you know gamergate we can observe that now yeah, yeah at the very least we can observe it and say look these people <laughs> these people who've been accusing everyone else of being sexist and racist are now having to say, whoa, 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 I'm not, I'm not racist. I didn't mean, or he didn't mean it that way. And I don't mean it this way. They're doing, they're having to put themselves in this. They're having, they're being put in the same position that Gamergate was put in from the very beginning, which is defending themselves from accusations that are overblown. And, and to me, that is hilarious to see because it's, it's just obviously so, so hypocritical and so ironic and, the unfortunate part is that none of them will ever realize it. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, so I don't really have anything else to say about Tim Schafer. Me neither. I don't want to say anything else about him. Whatever. Fucking thanks, Tim. Um, there's That's kind of it for news. I, I put PAX and Rock Band down here. First of all, PAX happened. There's no news from it. I don't think anything usually gets announced at PAX. Uh, maybe there was some gameplay that's coming out or something, but I haven't seen any of it. Um, although there was one funny thing that I might mention, but first we're going to probably get, get get some questions from chat. So 
start asking those questions, chat. Um, I will mention though that that Rock Band got uh, officially announced as having they're going to come out on the next gen consoles. I think. Um, I don't think there's like really inf- any information of them, like what it'll be they're like. I don't quote, even know if they know what it'll basics. be like. That's yeah, what I read. Well, who knows what that really means? But um, I thought that was kind of cool. I, I just I still think there's a market for that. Um, I, I've always enjoyed those music games, and I don't really. I well, I understood why they died, but not only did they like stop making those games, people just stopped playing them. Just like boom, instantly. And I, I very often I still get the urge to go back and play some Guitar Hero. I just don't have it anymore. Um, but like, I think it would be really. I, I don't know if it'll be successful, but I, I'm glad to see them trying to uh, to make a new one. Um, oh, yep. okay. The PAX thing. Uh, this isn't news. This is just something <laughs> that I observed that I thought was hilarious. Uh, every once in a while, I don't know why I do this to myself, but every once in a while, I'll browse the trending topics of Twitter, the top 10 US trends. Um, uh Every single time there is at least two hashtags started by One Direction fans. Uh, it turns out that Twitter just has this massive One Direction fan base. Uh, it, it, huge. Enough to every single day they trend something about One Direction. Uh, I saw a trend up there that said it was about packs. And I was the first trend I had seen about packs. The, the reason I mentioned One Direction will become obvious soon. I, I, I was thinking like, wow pax is trending like i wonder what's happening and it said ban the table from pax and i was like what the fuck i click on the thing and i'm i'm just i'm browsing through these tweets that are using the the hashtag it's all teenage girls around the age of probably like 15 they're all using this this hashtag and they're using it out of context and they're doing their this the typical like fangirl thing of just like freaking out about something and you can't figure out what it is <laughs> Well, I, somehow I managed to figure it out. I figured out what they were angry about. There is a group of Let's Players <laughs> that call themselves The Cube. Um, they're a group of YouTubers. I, I don't know if they have like a main account. I actually like, looked the for them. I couldn't, find any, I couldn't find anything. I Googled them and everything. I was like, who the fuck is... I don't know why I became obsessed over this. It, I found like one or two members on Twitter and YouTube, and they have quite a few followers, but it's, 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 a, it's definitely a teenage girl following... <laughs> Um, and so the cube, these let's players apparently went to PAX and they had like a meet and greet set up somewhere and they were going to do it outside, but it turned out to be so cold or whatever that they did it inside. And they were all seated at like, it looked like a restaurant booth kind of thing, like a really long restaurant booth with like tables set up in front of them. Uh, it looked like a book signing kind of thing, you know, Mm -hmm. they're behind a table. The fans were angry that they, that they had the table set up because they couldn't hug the uh they couldn't hug the let's players and so they started a they started a, a hashtag and it got trending ban the table from packs because they were they were outraged that uh that the table was blocking them from hugging their idols um <laughs> These these let's these let's players put a table between them and the rabid fan base, and the fan base is angry about it. I just thought that was so bizarre well, and something that like it was a fan base I'd never even heard I have of. So many it's questions. like this PewDiePie level of obsession. The first question is a question for you. What does this have to do with One Direction? It's it's because it's the exact same demographic of oh, one. Okay. Like they, okay. they get those kinds this of things like trending constantly. Directly related to One Direction. No, 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 somehow. not direct. No, One Direction was not at PAX. I'm sorry to disappoint everyone. Oh man. That's a shame. But like tables have like all 
always been at these conventions. Like if whenever I see pictures or videos of like people people at the booths and everything, I always see them behind a table. I, I have no I have no idea. I what. love how they're invoking like I think the device is synecdoche. Like they're calling it the table, like fan <laughs> the um what is it? Fight for the vote or something like yeah, ban the yeah. table. The I I know I know like I know you're looking for this word and I can't think of it either of like what it means to like. I don't think it's quite something as being but like it's like. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. It, I thought that was hilarious. I I don't know. I don't know if it was worth mentioning on the podcast, but for like 15 minutes on like Saturday or something, I was just I was looking through Twitter just like blown away that like these these people were angry that they couldn't hug they were saying like people have driven like hundreds of miles to come here and hug their their idols and they, now they're not getting the chance and they're standing out in the cold like they're they were probably in the line like that went out the building so they were in like the frigid boston snow like <laughs> waiting to hug these people and then they get in and there's a table in the <laughs> you have a constitutional right to hug strangers yeah. um god that was weird um so yeah, that, those people exist, and it's important to remind yourself that those people exist. Uh, yeah, have we had real any questions? My life would have been so much lesser without that knowledge. Yeah, it's important. <laughs> Trust me. Um, Alarestis pointed out this representative, United States representative, um, <laughs> who says her name is Catherine Clark from Massachusetts. She's calling on the FBI to take Gamergate more seriously. The economic impact on women is real, Clark says, and she takes it seriously as a threat to the national economy. Many of the women targeted by Gamergate had to not accept lucrative speaking opportunities and decline public events where they received threats that were very specific. Wow. Um, I'm sure that our GDP is going to take a huge hit from a couple of speaking engagements being canceled. Small speaking engagements. God forbid Anita Sarkeesian doesn't get more money for speaking at public places and stuff. I, I, I just, I don't. <laughs> that's the kind of argument they're using, and that's why the general public, like Gamergate, reached the point where it was, it was, it was catching the eye of like people who didn't know anything about video games. Yeah, it reached that point. And people started looking at what was being said about it by the, like the major players on both sides, and it just pfft, nobody cared anymore because because you you look at the people who are like not the leaders obviously but like the 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 figureheads like the 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 major the major players Anita, Brianna Wu, Lee Alexander, these people make outrageous claims. They 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 constantly do this. They make absurd statements and 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 nobody can take them seriously who's who's actually like logically rationally thinking and and i'm just so glad that when it when it reaches when it reaches a general public and i don't mean like the masses i just mean like people who aren't aware of video games smart people who aren't aware of video games look at this shit and they go like what the fuck and even if they do take the harassment seriously like i remember hearing about uh over over the last week this like baseball player who's some trolls online were saying stupid shit about his 17 year old daughter like i'm gonna fist her and um like the guy wound up 
reporting them to the police and one of them actually got like some kind of sexual harassment charge or something which was well deserved they were pretty graphic yeah when you're stupid um, on the internet you should be punished that was quite a bit worse than any of the alleged gamergate harassment unless you include the uh the bomb threat that totally was going to happen but it was way more graphic and digestible by the general public and already everybody's forgotten about that it's already over the story's done in the minds of everybody who's outside of that that bubble of things happening like Gamergate, which was even less of a blip on the radar for the national conscience, um, it's it's over. The, like the appeal to the general public that they keep trying to make, it happened and it's done, and they're not going to be able to get it back. And you already see like Brianna Wu softening her stances, like some prominent anti-gamergators were got getting mad at her we talked about it last week that she oh, yeah. had coffee with a gamergate supporter like i mean the, even your hardline lunatics like Brianna Wu are are realizing that this rhetorical situation is not sustainable yeah well i, I i've kind of said this before I, I think that this is a trend for all of these uh uh, whenever stuff like this blows up and and people are trying to be you know holier than thou on the internet and, and accuse people of being problematic and stuff like that at first they all work together to to get a loud voice you know and signal boost they signal boost each other they pat each other on the back everyone's happy it inevitably every single time <laughs> devolves into them pointing fingers at each other instead of at their enemy <laughs> and so you see them start accusing each other of being sexist or whatever or being less progressive than they are or trying less hard than they are or whatever and not boosting they the right tear signals. Each, they tear each other apart and and it, it happens every time i see it all the fucking time it happened with that colbert thing that 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 cancel colbert thing it's like you had to, first of all that started out like obviously that was lunacy from the beginning but like if you start reading like if you started reading like the the discussion between those people who were claiming that they wanted to cancel colbert it devolved into like uh well you know you're not you're not asian so you don't you, you can't speak about this what do you mean that's racist and then just everyone's arguing with each other but they're all on the same side and first of all that's hilarious to me but but it's a trend and it, it i think it really does like this is how these things rise and fall it's like we're in the falling stage of anti-gamergate having any kind of like loud voice in the in the general gaming community yeah uh, because because they've gotten to the point where they've just started they've all figured out they've all kind of figured out like here's what i believe and nobody even if if someone believes something slightly different but they're still on like my general side they still accuse them of being whatever and and then and then you're over at that point um say you can say as many things as you want about gamergate but they generally have a pretty decent cohesion mm-hmm. as far as like what they want <laughs> what they're looking for and what what they hate and um so, so that that allows them to stay more i mean people no again, matter, you still no have matter people, what you would want to not you personally but no matter what you shit on gamergate for its message has staying power with a lot of people 
Like if yeah. you look, if you search for the hashtag, the number of uses, it's actually remained relatively constant for months and months and months, and not a single anti-gamer Google hashtag has had that kind of consistent following. Now maybe part of that is, you know, the the hashtags getting hijacked, but even then. You know, you'd expect that a similar thing would happen on the other side of the aisle. So, yeah, it's it, it the the message being sent in a court of public opinion is clear. <laughs> like, there's the times are changing. It's like Obama, but video games. Exactly, like Obama video games. That's our uh, that's our motto here at Push the Shout. Um, I don't know. Are we getting questions from chat? We don't have very many viewers, assumably because Hotline Miami 2 is out. <laughs> I legitimately think yeah. that that is the reason I, that we I don't have so very too. many viewers, because there's no other reason for it. Well, also, I forgot to tweet it before I started, but still. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll end it early. Yeah. Um, I guess that we're on the topic of games journalism. Um, if you guys have ever heard of Gather Your Party... It's a really good site with lots of good articles, coverage, reviews, uh, editorials, things like that. And uh, Mark Seb from there, you may know them as Action Points on YouTube. I invited him on the show a little while ago, like, you know, a few hours, a day or so, whatever. Um, no, it's just hours. What am I talking about? Anyway, I invited him on. He's going to be here next week or the week after. Exciting but he news. agreed. So... We're going to have Our a guest, guest list, finally. That'll it's going to be good. Oh, we'll to... Heist came out for GTA Online. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was on the same day as Hollow Man 2. Yep, it's about I don't time. care because... I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to play You blew him. it, Rockstar. I don't give a shit anymore. Until it comes out on PC, of course. Yeah. Uh, Brew, do you play any other fighting games besides Smash? No. They don't interest me. I have played Fear and Hitman Blood Bunny, which are both good games. I've never heard of Crimson Clover. And no, I haven't played I Divine Supremacy, to answer that question. I've played a little bit of Fear, not very much, and none of Blood Bunny or Crimson Clover. Fear Fear is such a good game. It is it is one of my all-time favorites. It, I, as far as the horror aspect goes, like a lot of people don't like I I thought it was well done, but a lot of people didn't like it, and whatever. That's not... That's not the appeal of the game. The game is such a good first-person shooter. It's amazing. I, 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 it's still incredibly fun to play, and the AI is it still holds up, and just the weapon variety and everything. It, it's just endlessly fun, and it did bullet time in a really, really fun way. And I, I like that game a lot. I kind of want to replay it actually. Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't know why. I put it down, but it's not because I didn't like it. I was having fun with it. Yeah, I recommend trying to get through it. It's just it's. It's fun. It's fun all the way through, I think. There are a few games like that that are kind of sitting in incomplete limbo for me right now. Bayonetta, yeah. uh, System Shock 2, and Fear. Yeah, I've got a lot of those games yeah. uh, that, that I haven't completed. Hopefully I'll... Majora's Mask was that way for a while, but a couple of years ago I went back and finished it. See, it's hard to play video games when you're playing CSGO and watching wrestling instead, so... I missed oh, I missed Monday Night Raw, so <laughs> I don't have a wrestling update this week. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, On the stream, uh, we, we we're rambling at this point, but there was a uh, Brew had a really good stream, and he should either upload it to YouTube or you should go watch it on Hitbox if it's recorded. It was 
it was it was something. I won't I won't spoil it for you. How about that? You you need to make that public or whatever, because that's <laughs> that was quite a stream. Yeah, Walker's here now, and he says those are all games I told you to play. Yeah, all three of them are ones that uh, he recommended, and I started and haven't finished yet. And Bayonetta is actually the worst uh, one because he's actually lending me his copy. So I think I'm just going to give it back instead of holding it hostage any longer. Yeah. All right. Should we end it? Yep. Seems like a good time. Um, And we had a good time doing a show for you guys. You said you didn't have time to do an after show, right? No, I know. I... Don't hold your breath, everyone. I might do an after show, but... I am like super tired. Daylight savings screwed me up more than I thought it would, so I probably won't have an after show either. But you know, if you want one, you can you can follow me on Twitter and see if I tweet out a stream link. But I it it won't be it won't be very soon because I have to eat anyway. But if I feel like it after eating, then I might do an after show alone or whatever. So whatever. Yeah. But anyway, <clears throat> uh, sorry to interrupt the ending, but yeah, Dan the man, I will upload that, so you'll see it. That's okay, going to be available. I'm, I think I'm, I'm going to actually do highlights of that one because it was pretty good. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, do highlights. Um, good stream. Looking forward to that video. It's been a good podcast, everyone. Uh, I hope you uh, hope you're enjoying Hotline Miami too. I hope you'll join us next week when we talk about. I don't know. Nothing. Nothing's <laughs> going to happen. Uh, Actually, this it will probably be a very slow week because we just got through major conventions and everything, and nobody's going to be announcing anything in video games. But you know what? Anyway, I, and I think two podcasts from now, I'll have Bloodborne to talk about. Oh Ooh. yeah, I, I God damn it! I'm holding off on buying the PS4. I don't know if I'm going to buy that game right away. I might wait. I might let you hype it up for me, <laughs> so that I like, so that I have to buy a PS4. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but anyway, goodbye, everyone.